a series that we're calling our Living Stones series. And we've been referencing 1 Peter 2.5 as kind of the, um, the, the text for this series. And 1 Peter 2.5 is, is the one that calls us, Peter calls us living stones. And the whole thought process is this, that God's, with God's kingdom agenda on this planet, he has chosen to partner with us. We are literally the body of Christ. So if Christ is going to touch someone on this planet, he's gonna do it through his body. So we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Look what Ephesians 2.10 says, I love this passage. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God is at work in us, and God uses us, our lives, as the raw materials for what he is accomplishing on this planet. So this is what we're focusing on in this series. And we're specifically looking in the Old Testament at things that were built. So, so actual construction projects in the Old Testament and see if we can find an application for us today, thousands of years later, by the building of something that happened in the Old Testament. I think I've said this every week, but if you wanna be a student of the Bible, this is something you need to know. It's that the Old Testament gives us physical pictures of spiritual truths. So this, the things that we see happen physically in the Old Testament give us kind of a snapshot of some spiritual principle. So we're gonna be looking in the Old Testament for spiritual principles that would relate to us today. So I specifically wanna to talk to you about the construction of the tabernacle. Now, I love this subject. The kind of the teacher comes out in me when I talk about the tabernacle. So for the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about this, but let's just begin in this way. Turn with me to the book of Exodus, the 25th chapter, and let's begin looking at verse eight and see what the Lord would say. Now, this is God talking to Moses. It says this, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. So God tells Moses, to supervise the building of the tabernacle. Now, let's start with this. What is the tabernacle? Okay, so here's what I want. I want you to throw out some answers for me, ready? What is the tabernacle? Not all at once, no. Okay, good, some good answers, house of God and everything. Here, here's, here's what the tabernacle was, ready? It was a mobile temple. It was a mobile place of worship. In this time frame, they were kind of nomadic. They didn't have cities and homes. They were traveling. And remember they took that little short trip across the wilderness? Took 40 years, right? So they were, they were traveling at this time. So they needed, they needed a portable place of worship. So the tabernacle is just, it's a tent that they, they could put up as they, they moved around. Now, what was the purpose of the tabernacle? 
According to the scripture we just read, the purpose of the tabernacle was so that God could dwell among his people. Church, we need to know that the God of the universe wants to dwell with you. It's crazy. The one who created all this, heaven and earth, and guess where he wants to live? He wants to live in your house. It's just the kind of God we serve. And so God instructs Moses not to build the tabernacle, but to have the tabernacle built. Who did the building? It was the people of God. It was the people of God. There were, there were people in Israel who had specific skill sets and even anointings. And so those people stepped up in their specific place and they built the temple. Moses simply supervised. Now, where did the resources come from to build the temple? Much like we do still today, they took up an offering for the building project. It's scriptural. And when, when Moses did this for the building of the tabernacle, it was kind of, it was a pastor's dream. Because he, he said, we need you guys to bring an offering so we can build this temple. And later on, you know what he had to do? He had to stand up in front of the people and say, stop giving. Not only do we have enough, we have too much. I mean, as a pastor, come on. But you know what, isn't that what we just said about here at Victory? Last year, there was such an abundance of giving toward India. We don't have to take up an offering today. I just think you ought to give yourself a hand and appreciate the fact that you're givers. So there's the building of the tabernacle, the instructions. And I wanna show you three facts about the tabernacle, specifically about the construction and the operation of the tabernacle. Then we'll find practical application for us today. Look with me in the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers chapter nine, beginning in verse 15, scripture says, on the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud would cover the tabernacle the, cover, the cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of a fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way, they traveled and encamped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. So there was the instructions to build the tabernacle. There was a pattern laid out. God was very specific about how this thing was built and the furnishings that were built to go inside of it. He was very detailed and so he lays all this out to Moses and the people begin to work and, and they, they built and they built. And finally there came a day when the construction was done. Everything was ready. The tabernacle was ready to be set up for the first time. You can find this in Exodus chapter 40. You'll see that, that Moses goes through the process. And again, if you read Exodus 40, you'll find that like he tells you every step they took. 
like the tent was set up and then this piece of furniture was set here and then this thing and this. He goes in great detail. Listen to me, church. When you're reading and you find all these details, they're there for a reason. And so what you can see Moses doing as he's recounting how he set all this up, he's saying, Lord, you gave me a pattern. You gave me an assignment with a pattern and I have followed your pattern. And so he's setting, sets the tent up, puts the furnishings in place, puts the utensils in place. And, and not only that, he put the priests in place, place who were to minister and serve in the tabernacle. They had special clothes they, they were to wear. And so Moses got them all dressed up. They had to be washed and anointed the priest to be prepared to minister. And so Moses gets it all set up just right. I mean, he's, I can just see him back there watching, going, no, right there. Yeah, right. Hey, Aaron. Aaron was the priest's name, I'm sorry. For those of you who didn't get that. And that was way funnier than y'all. <laughs> he gets it all shined up and he gets it set in place. And then um, Bible tells us at the end of Exodus chapter 40, that after it was all done, that the cloud, the cloud settled over the tabernacle. And it settled, it filled the tabernacle so much so that Moses couldn't even go in the cloud. And it says this, that the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. You know what I see? I see humanity doing its part, doing all we can. But then the thing that changes everything, it's the presence. And his presence settled over there and this, this cloud just shot up from over the tabernacle. And in the daytime, it was a cloud. In the night, it was a fire. Now, what is that? Well, it's the glory of the Lord. But it's not only glory of the Lord, it's the provision of the Lord. Because if you live in the desert, how many of you think that a cloud would be a blessing to protect you from the harsh sun? At night, there was a fire to give warmth and light. So this was the glory of God and the provision of God. And it set over the tabernacle. And then their job was to keep an eye on the cloud. And if the cloud moved, they knew time to pack up. Can you imagine what that looked like? I mean, you're just doing your thing. You look up and a cloud's moving. You're like, oh snap, here we go. <laughs> pack it up, mama. They'd pack it all up and they're just chasing this cloud. Where are you going? I don't know. I'm just following the cloud. And the cloud would stop. Okay, let's put up the tent, you know? And so their job was to follow this cloud. So the tabernacle was there and the presence of God and the cloud came from the tabernacle. Next thing I want you to see about the tabernacle is when, when the cloud stopped and they went to, to set up their, their encampment, the tabernacle went up first. The tabernacle was in the middle. Everything, everything kind of orbited around the tabernacle. Um, so, so when they'd stopped to make camp, you know, first thing that went up, it was, it was the tabernacle right here. And then, and then from there, all of Israel had specific instructions of where they were to camp. You couldn't just set up anywhere. 
According to which tribe you were a part of, you had instructions on, on where you were to camp. But the point is the tabernacle was kind of the center of the society. It was the center of the civilization. But you know, in scripture, there's so many beautiful little intricacies that mean a lot to me. And maybe this will mean a lot to you too. Because I, when I start looking into these things, I realize that we couldn't have made this stuff up. So there were certain commands of where the tribes were to camp around the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle faced east. So the gate here would, would face east, facing the rising sun. As the church, everything that we do ought to be pointed not to the rising sun, but to the risen sun. Amen. So it faced east and, and if you looked at the numbers of people, according to tribes that, that camped around the tabernacle, here's what you would find. The total number of people who, who camped on this east side was about 186,000 people here and some change, but, but that's about how many people camped there. On, on the south and the north side, about 150,000 people camped on this, on, on each side, on the, on the south and north. Y'all following me? Now, if you look at how many people camped on the west side, it was about 108,000 people, okay? So when, they, when the cloud would stop, you'd set up the tabernacle, that's the center of everything, and then everybody would camp around this. Now, I want you to think, Think about a, uh, a bar graph here, okay? And let's take these numbers and make a bar graph with them. Obviously, 108 would be about here, 108,000 people there. 150, you know, here. And then 186,000 would be here, all right? Do I have you? Like you wondering where I'm going with this? Do this. Now let's take these, these bars and let's put it here. So the bar graph here would have been short. Bar graph here would have been medium sized. And the bar graph here would have been longer. This is the Old Testament. This is before Jesus was born. What's at the center of it? It's the dwelling place of God. They were following the cloud. When the cloud stopped and they set up the tabernacle, the tabernacle was the center and everything orbited around the tabernacle. The tabernacle was made of three spaces, using a real estate term from 2023, spaces. If you were to look at, at the tabernacle, you'd see that there was this outside, which is called the outer courts. And then back here, there would have been two rooms, one called the holy place and the other called the most holy place. So there was three spaces in, in the tabernacle. Now the outer courts out here, remember this is a tent, right? So it's just tent walls and there's no roof, there's no ceiling. So in the outer courts, I mean, you're, you're, you're here and you're just looking up and you're outside except for these, these walls around you. And um, in the outer courts, 
We're going to get more into this next week, but there was things like, like the brazen altar was there where things were sacrificed on the altar, where offerings were made. This all happened out here in the outer, outer courts. And, and the normal person could walk into that outer courts and then the priest would be there and the priest would be ministering. There'd be a lot of busyness, a lot happening in these outer courts. People, movement, all kind of, a lot, a lot of service, a lot of ministry happening there. But then if you went into the holy place, See, that was different now, a whole different environment. It was surrounded by a heavy curtain and there was a, there was a roof on it. So it was, a, it was a completely black room, like no outside light would permeate into the holy place. The only way there was illumination in the holy place was from the menorah, from the golden lampstand, remember that? Happy Hanukkah. Again. The menorah is what gave light in the holy place. Um, there was also something called the table of showbread and showbread is spelled S-H-E-W. It's, it, there was bread, there was wine, there was, there was different elements in this, on this table. There was also in that room, there was the altar of incense. The altar of incense would have set right up against the curtain where the, where the most holy place was. And there was an altar there and there was incense burned on it 24 seven, okay? So out here in the outer courts, busy, a lot of things happening, a lot of movement. When you get into the holy place, it was a completely different environment. It was a place of fellowship at the table of showbread. The communion elements, we didn't call them, they didn't call them communion elements, but there was bread and wine on the, on the table of showbread. It was a place of, of fellowship. It was a place of, of connection. The, the altar of incense represents prayer. It was a, the, mo, the, the holy place was a place of prayers being sent up to God, all under the illumination of the menorah. So, so this, was, this was a busy place. This was more of a quiet this was a place of prayer. This was a place of communion. This was a place of connection with God. A little deeper environment. And then lastly, there would have been the most holy place. And this was the real big deal. In the holy of holies or the most holy place would have been the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat on top of it and the presence of God blazing there. Again, it had a big thick veil around the outside of it because if, any, if anything sinful went into this room, it didn't live. So the holiness of God was in that room. This is where the, the spirit of God was. So what we have is God instructed Moses to build a temple, to build a, a tabernacle that from that tabernacle, the presence of God was there and, and the people were to watch the presence and follow the presence of God. The tabernacle was kind of the center of society and the tabernacle had three different spaces in it. Those are the facts I wanna give you about the construction of the tabernacle. Now the question becomes, what does this mean for us today, church? When 2 Corinthians 6 Paul says something interesting. He says that you are the temple of God. 
God doesn't dwell in buildings. God dwells in buildings. We are his temple now. We carry his presence. We are the place where God dwells. And God wants to dwell in you. God, his desire is to dwell in you. And you know how I know that's true? Because how many of you have ever had that situation where maybe you're, you're in church or something and you, you probably hadn't done this, but I have. You look back at your week and you go, hadn't been a good week. I have not been behaving in the way that I should behave. Anybody ever been there? And now you come to church, right? And, and the Holy Spirit begins to convict you and you think, I want to move toward the Lord. I want to move toward the Lord. What's the next voice that'll come in your ear? It's the voice of the enemy who says, God doesn't want you. You're not deserving of his presence. God does. Can I tell you, that's a lie from Satan and Satan is the father of lies. In our worst day, run toward the Lord. He wants to dwell in you. Doesn't matter what your history is. He wants to dwell in you. And so we are now the temple of God and God doesn't dwell in buildings. He dwells on the inside of us. When we become born again, he deposits his Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Just like the presence of God set over the tabernacle, the presence of God sits in us. The very Holy Spirit of God deposited in us. John chapter 20, when Jesus resurrected from the dead, breathed on his disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. So just like the tabernacle was filled with the presence of God, you and I are filled with the presence of God. Then remember what happened in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost, remember this? Day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls, all kind of craziness starts happening. Did you ever catch this? That the people who were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they had fire sitting on their heads. Tongues of fire. What was that? The tabernacle had the fire over it. You are now the tabernacle indwelt by the Spirit of God and the fire of God sits on you. See this? So we are, we are the tabernacle now. We are the dwelling place of God. We are where the Holy Spirit dwells. And we should be following the cloud in our own lives. We should wake up every morning and say, okay, God, what do you have for me today? As a believer with understanding, watching for the presence of God, God, where are you moving? What are you doing? Where would you have me go? Just like the Israelites watch the cloud, you and I need to be tuned in to the Holy Spirit because he'll give us direction in our lives. The tabernacle was set up in the center of society, church. The way life is designed to work especially the life of a believer, is that God is smack dab in the middle of everything we do. My family revolves around my relationship with God. My job, my business, my pursuits, my passions, my priorities, the center, my relationship with God is the center of my life. If your life is out of balance, put God in the center and watch things come in order in your world. He was created, he was created to be the center, just like the tabernacle was the center 
of Israeli society. And lastly, we said that there was three rooms in the tabernacle. There's three spaces in you and I. We were created body, soul, and spirit. We are triune beings, just like this was a tri-room constructing. This body, the body, this is the outer courts. This is where there's a lot of movement. This is, this is where we serve God. We serve God with our body, with our hands. You know, every, every Sunday before service, we always, we meet, we have what we call our huddle. And that's all the people who serve, who serve here on a Sunday morning. We all have, we all get in a huddle. And, and these are the people who are using their hands to serve God by serving you. And they're using their smile and they're using their words. And so on the exterior, this body of ours, that's how, that's how we serve. And so we should be marked with our lives in service to God. But then there's the holy place. So not only are we a body, we have a soul. We have a soul. And see, that's deeper. That's the depths of us. That's our, our heart. And in our soul is where we pray. Now we may, there may be an outward expression that our body gives toward prayer. In other words, I could kneel in prayer, but kneeling isn't important as the posture of my heart where prayer is concerned. The posture of my body isn't important. It's the posture of my heart. I say to you often, when I'm leading you in prayer or something, I'll say, posture your heart. Find the posture that means something to you. A lot of us, we come from even religious backgrounds where we've learned a physical posture. We just didn't learn the heart posture. The heart posture is way more important than the physical posture. Can I hear an amen? And so in our soul, that's where, we, that's where our prayer life is. That's where our fellowship with God is. That's where we eat at his table. What do we eat? We eat the bread of life. Jesus, the word made flesh, right? And so this is where we have communion and fellowship with God and prayer. And, and it's all done under the illumination of the Holy Spirit. It's all illuminated by his presence. So, so we have a body, but we also have a soul. But then when we're born again, what happens is, not only do we have a body, a soul, but we have a living spirit. And that's representative of the most holy place. And the most holy place was interesting because um, only one person could go into the, whole, the most holy place, the holy of holies. He was the high priest. The high priest was the only one who could enter that room. And he could only do it once a year and he had to do it bringing an offering of blood, the blood of this sacrifice went before him into that room. You and I, when we're born again, we have a living spirit, but it's only because of this. The book of Hebrews tells us that we have a great high priest. See, we are priests. When, we're, when we become born again, we become priests. If the person sitting next to you is a believer, they're a priest. They may not look like it or act like it, but they're a priest according to scripture. Only priests could go into the holy place. You can go into the holy place because you're, you're a priest. 
You know, even the whole idea of a tabernacle, a tabernacle is, is a holy place. And so if I say God dwells in you, you, you might say, well, I'm not holy. How could, how could I be the dwelling place of God because I'm not holy? If you are a believer, you are holy. It's just not, you didn't deserve holiness and you didn't earn your holiness. Someone made you holy and that's Jesus. But because of the work of Jesus, you and I are a holy habitation for God and we are a royal priesthood. That's who we are. But in that most holy place, there was only one and it was the high priest. But thank God we have a high priest. And he can only enter once. All it took him was one time. And he went in with the blood of the sacrifice. It just wasn't the blood of a lamb. It was his own blood. And he carried the sacrifice of his own blood and poured it out before the presence of the Lord. And remember this in scripture, remember that when Jesus died on the cross, when he breathed his last breath, what happened in the temple? says that the veil that would separate these two rooms and keep man out, that veil was torn from the top to the bottom at the death of Jesus. If it was torn from the bottom to the top, it would represent the fact that a man did it, but it was torn from the top to the bottom, meaning God opened, he tore the veil because of the ministry of the great high priest. You and I now have entrance into the very presence of God. Our spirits have been made alive. We are born again. Our spirit can minister and touch and communicate with the spirit of God. We don't just have to pray in the flesh. We can pray in the spirit. We just don't have, you know, visits to God. No, we have spiritual communion and connection with God. Why? Because of the ministry of the great high priest. Come on, church. You and I were the tabernacle. You and I the dwelling place of God. You and I are filled with the Holy Spirit and can follow him. His provision is there for us. As we navigate this harsh life, this harsh landscape, his cloud is over us. His light by night is there illuminating our path. We need to make sure that we keep him in the center of our world, in the center of our life. Everything we do, everything we are should orbit around the Lordship of Jesus in our life and we should understand these bodies with these bodies we have we're to serve we are to serve with these bodies we are to love we are to minister we are to serve with these bodies we should have a rich soul life that's in connection and communion and 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 communication with god and the understanding that we can not only touch him with our soul we can minister to the Lord and have him minister to us spirit to spirit only because the work of our great high priest Jesus.